0: Hey, how's everybody doing? How many of you think like there's always one more chord to come at the end of that? I always think that like there's one more, like I'm waiting for it and it doesn't happen. I don't, I don't know. I don't know why I told you that. I, man, it's cold out. Um, it's really cold and I hate it. My wife and I moved down here from outside Chicago five years ago. W- what is happening? we move to get away from it all. It's not funny. Um, so we're in 1 Corinthians. If you have never been with us, um, we go through books of the Bible. We started 1 Corinthians a few weeks ago. I'm going to be in 1 Corinthians 4. The reason I'm going to be in 1 Corinthians 4 is because Pastor Corey covered 1 Corinthians 3 last week. And when I told you we'd go through books of the Bible, that's what I meant. You guys okay out there? People online are going, I think I'm gonna turn this off. Um, yeah, we're in 1 Corinthians 4. Last week, uh, Pastor Cory talked about do we live, do we know and live in our proper identity In other words, so there's this argument going on. The the church that Paul started, he's the spiritual father of this church in Corinth. He planted it just a few years earlier on his missionary journey through there. And there's some issues now because he's gone. He's planting churches elsewhere, but there's some issues now and they're getting arrogant about it and he's like wanting to shut that down. And the issue there was, they didn't understand their proper identity. If we don't understand our proper identity, then we cannot be what God needs us to be in taking the gospel to all the world, right? So we need to know who we are before we can tell others about Christ. And today in 1 Corinthians 4, this is this, kind of a continuation in three. Uh, Paul is still, even the first four chapters really of 1 Corinthians, Paul's really chiding them a little bit. Um, because of their arrogance and some of the things that are going on. And he covers some addition some additionally in that this in this chapter. He says, it takes humility to submit. Friends, that's we're gonna cover that today. It takes humility to submit. But there's this paradox that takes place that when we finally submit, that's actually when we receive power. When we will submit to our authority, not just our Our Father in Heaven, that heavenly authority the the authority of all authorities, right, <laughs> but when we submit to him and our earthly authorities as well that's really when the power comes. so you should have uh, gotten a notes handout when you came in if you didn't you can download the app on your phone if you have a smartphone if you don't I would what do you have <laughs> you'd i'd really like to see that I, I don't know what you would have. Don't come up now. I'm kind of in the middle of something and show me. (laughs) But you can download the app. You can follow. Sermon notes will be on there and uh, along with the scriptures. And we're going to jump in and see what the Lord. I think we'll move through it kind of quickly. So you can beat the other churches to the restaurants. I, seriously, I hope you're fasting. We are midway, Pastor Mike said it in the announcements, we're midway through our fast. I hope you are uh, participating in this. If you're not, you can jump in at any time with us. Uh, It's on the app because fasting is so important. Fasting is not manipulation. God, I'm gonna do this and this so that you will do this. Fasting is for intimacy. Fasting is so that we can know our Lord and Savior. That was free. It doesn't have anything to do with 1 Corinthians 4. All right, let's pray. And... uh, We'll jump in. Father in heaven, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for your word, Lord. I pray that you would open it up to us, to me this morning. Father, the truth is I have in and of myself absolutely nothing to say. So Holy Spirit, I need you to speak through me and use your word. In Christ's name we ask, amen. All right, here we go, 1 Corinthians 4. A person should think of us in this way. He's talking about Apollos. He's talking about all the instructors, right? The spiritual leaders. A person should think of us in this way as servants of Christ and managers of the mysteries of God. In this regard, it is required that managers be found faithful. It is of little importance to me that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I don't even judge myself. For I am not conscience, conscious of anything against myself, but I'm not justified by this. No, it's the Lord who judges me. So don't judge anything prematurely before the Lord comes. Who will both bring to light what is hidden in darkness and reveal the intentions of the hearts. Wow. And then praise will come to each one from God. So all of these who have taught, even himself, he is their spiritual father, he brought the gospel, to Corinth a few years ago. He's trying to help this young church understand that he and all of these other instructors that he's going to refer to in just a couple of scriptures, listen, we're just managers. We're just leaders who are obligated. We're managers of what we've been given. We've been given this gospel. He calls it the mysteries of God. And while they're leaders and while you and I serving in Christ church are leaders, we're just managers. We don't own it. We haven't earned anything. We're going to talk about that in a minute. We're just managers. We're not the owner. But that doesn't, that doesn't degrade our value. That doesn't degrade what you do. And that doesn't degrade what Paul does. And he wants them to know that he's really not above them, even though he brought this uh, gospel to them. But we're all just servants. And servants are supposed to be found faithful, and he spent all of chapter 3 most of chapter 3 explaining the roles of each of us. You know, they had this issue if you didn't watch uh, if you didn't weren't here last week you need to go back and watch it but they had this issue like one follows Apollos, one follow, follows Cephas, he's called or Peter. Says some of you follow me. Listen, we're all we're all telling you the same thing. We're all we all have the same goal. We're all teaching the same gospel. And he calls it the mysteries of God. And each of us, if you are leading someone, if you are discipling someone, if you are in a discipleship relationship or maybe you help out in any of the ministries of the church, we are all responsible to share the mysteries of God. So you and I, along with those called long ago, need to be faithful to the mission that God has called us. And that is just to make disciples. That's what Jesus said right before he left earth. Go and make disciples. Matthew 28. We have to remain faithful to that. So this mysteries of God, Greg, what I'm that's confusing. Don't be confused. It's quite simple. As a follower of Christ, if you know Jesus this morning, you're a follower of Christ. Christ the, the mysteries of God are being revealed in you by the power of the Holy Spirit. Your your heart and your mind have been quickened if you will to what God is doing. You have realized along this journey what something's wrong. Right, that's that. Something's wrong. I can't that I want to do. I, that's I don't want to do that. So the Holy Spirit quickened these things in you, and that's done and revealed to you by the Holy Spirit. So then you and I are supposed to take those mysteries, that gospel, into all the world. But listen, the world it doesn't make sense to them. It doesn't make sense to them when a Christian says, "Well, you know, dude, I'm not sleeping with my girlfriend." He's like, "What? That doesn't make sense to me." Yeah, but that's not the way a Christian is supposed to act. And it it boggles the mind. It boggles my mind so often we in the church, Christ followers, we we just expect people who are not Christ followers to act like Christ followers. It like it freaks us out when we're like, "Oh, we're going to, you know, boycott Target or whatever because, you know, they're doing this or they're doing that. They're not a Christian company." Of course they're going to do things that are secular. Of course they're going to do things that aren't Christian, they're not a Christian company, they don't claim to be. And the same thing goes, we are, we're so quick to judge people, like judging people who aren't Christians. That's, that's odd to me, it doesn't make sense to them because they've not been revealed these, that's our job. So our responsibility as Christ followers is to tell the story and everybody in here has a testimony. Everybody in here has a story of what God has done for them or what God is doing for them. So that's the mysteries of God, and Paul says, so be careful when you judge. Now listen, this is not he's not saying that we're not supposed to judge. That's a, that's a really, really um, misinterpreted scripture in the Bible. He's not saying that we can't judge each other. What he's saying in this context is that when you compare one leader to another, that's damaging. That, that can become a problem. It's not to say that we can, in fact, if you're here next week, Pastor Corey's going to talk about He's going to tell us, you no, you can judge those inside the church. We don't judge those outside the church. And we're not above correction. You and I, follower of Christ, are not above correction. In fact, we should be receiving some correction from those who are discipling us, from those spiritual authorities in our lives. But it's God who judges our character and our motives. Isn't comparison a funny thing? You see, I know... I'm pretty sharp. I'm, I, I know when I'm gonna compare myself with others, I'm gonna compare myself with someone I, I think isn't quite as good as I am. And I have this sneaky suspicion, I'm a lot like you. See, that's what we do. Comparison is a funny thing. I don't compare myself to others that I think are better than me because then I don't look as good. Anybody following me this morning? Come on, we're just being honest in here. We're just being honest, we're just being real, we're just being transparent. When I compare myself, and I know you do too, I don't compare myself with the spotless Lamb of God. No, I always look for somebody that I think is better than me or that I'm better than, so I can compare myself and look good. So that's why Paul says, I don't even judge myself because sometimes I'm not sure I'm doing everything with the right motives. So it, it, this is ironic. He said, wait, you're judging me? I don't even judge me. Are you kidding? I don't judge me because I don't, I don't know that I even judge correctly every, th- every time. But the beauty of, of this is that, listen, we don't live for men. We don't live to please. And Paul says, don't judge me prematurely. Don't do that because God isn't finished with even me yet, even as your spiritual father. It's not that we can't evaluate our lives. Please don't misunderstand. We can. But even when I judge myself, I judge and I compare with those who I believe are less than me. So I don't even do it with the right motives. The irony here, as they're judging these other teachers and these other leaders, is they don't even see their own arrogance in the issue. (laughs) They don't even see their own issues. And listen, this yellow part is for you and me, those of us who are followers of Christ. Please don't, if you are discipling somebody, if you're, you're teaching somebody, mentoring somebody in the faith, please don't make them drink from a fire hydrant. If, if God is revealing stuff, do it in bite-sized pieces so they can get help along this journey. Does that make sense? Are you with me? Don't expect them to be where you are if you're 10 or 12 years down the road and they've been a follower for three minutes man, you need to change this, 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 and that. Chill out. Let's walk the journey with them, okay? You okay still? Because eventually, Paul says, all of our intentions will be revealed. Listen, I got to tell you, for if I'm a Christ follower and I'm not doing exactly what Jesus wants me to do, I'm not filled with the Holy Spirit following him, and that verse scares me a little bit. It ought to scare us a little bit. If I'm not living under the influence of the Holy Spirit, if I'm not following him the way I should be following him, that verse scares me because everything is going to be laid bare. Even my intentions, because when God judges us, he judges us rightly. He does, He judges. He says even our motives and our intentions. Whew. Because see, I can fool you a lot of times. You know what, Greg, man, I saw that dude. He was serving the other day. Yeah, but you didn't know my heart. I can fool you. I'm telling you, man, that dude, he, man, I never see him. He's not ministering to somebody. You don't know what my intentions were, but we can't fool God. But friends, we don't need to worry about what other people think of us. Our our lives are to be lived in order that one day we will make it to heaven and Jesus will say, man, well done. Well done good and faithful servant. We'll receive praise from God. That's that's where my praise is supposed to come from, not from man, all right? This next part, we're just gonna read two verses because there's a lot in there, starting at verse six. Now, brothers and sisters, I have applied these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, so that you may learn from us the meaning of the saying, nothing beyond what is written, The purpose is that none of you will be arrogant. Boy, there's that word again. We've already read it a couple of times. The purpose is that none of you will be arrogant, favoring one person over another. For who makes you so superior? What do you have that you didn't receive? If, in fact, you did receive it, why do you boast as if you hadn't received it? You see, this is still the same argument from chapter 3. They're still being arrogant and saying, well, I follow Apollos, or I follow Peter, or I follow Paul, or I follow this person or that person. So they're pitting them against another, and Paul's letting them know this is damaging. This is damaging not just to the follower, not just to those you lead. It's actually damaging to the leader as well. Let me tell you how. Listen, that's how we get celebrity pastors, because it puffs people up and all of a sudden we've got three and a half million followers on Facebook or Instagram, and we think of ourselves way higher than we should be thinking of ourselves, right? So he drives the point home, listen, I'm your spirit. You didn't know any of this before I brought this to you, so we're all just leaders in the church, and all pastors, and all teachers, and all life group leaders, and all of our echo volunteers, all of those people who work back there, we're all representatives of Christ, but we can't be loyal to just one specific leader and pit him or her against the other. Listen, I understand there are those of you, many of you, who would prefer Pastor Corey's teaching. Heck, I prefer Pastor Corey's teaching. (laughs) Maybe you prefer Pastor Mike when he gets up here or Josh Brooker at one of our other campuses. Look, I understand that, but it's not about comparing each other. It's not about putting one over another. We're all building on Jesus. So I need to I need to let you know Paul is saying instead of creating all these issues with this comparison stuff and picking your favorite leader not because of the content of their character and what they're but the way they're saying it and the way they're doing it and the way they're serving you. See the problem isn't just their preference in a teacher, it was them putting one above the other. And we can't boast We can't boast because we're following a specific leader. You know what that's called? That's called name-dropping. That's what that's called. You know, I had coffee with Andy Stanley yesterday. (laughs) I didn't. He doesn't even know me. (laughs) Listen, we all build on Jesus. If you are in service in the kingdom, you and I work together and we just, Pastor Corey said this last week, we build Jesus on Jesus and more Jesus. That's all we're doing. So we can't compare one to another. So he says to them, getting a little sassy here, right, Paul? Who makes you so superior? In other words, you guys think you're so sharp. You think you're so wise. You're actually putting yourself because you're saying, that one leader is above another. And when we compare, what do we do again? We put ourselves in a higher place. When we compare, and Paul reminds them, you haven't earned a thing, you've earned nothing. And here, because of your affluence and influence, the city of Corinth had great affluence and influence, because you think you've been given all of these special rights, listen, those were gifts. How do you boast in a gift? You know, I, I, I received this gift. I'm pretty, uh, pretty special. I, well, it was a gift. I actually didn't do anything to earn it. I, it's a gift. All right, do you follow me? But how, how can you be arrogant? They were taking God's blessings thinking they had anything to do with it. Sound familiar? We do that all the time, and it's the height of arrogance. We boast in our gifts. We boast in our talents. We boast we boast in the things we own. You know, I've got, I've got a great house. You didn't earn a thing. I didn't earn a thing. Everything that I have has been given to me. So he spells it out for them in helping them understand his authority in bringing the gospel to them. I am your spiritual father. He reminds them, you don't have a basis for pride in any of your abilities, anything you've been given. This, listen, okay, Greg, application, great, love it. Let me just give it to you. I've got a great job. God gave you that job. No, you don't understand, Greg. I've worked really, really, I went to school. I've, been, I've become a doctor. God gave you your brain. He gave you the knowledge. Listen, you don't have a thing. I don't have a thing that hasn't been given to me by the matchless grace and mercy of God. Nothing. So he rebukes this high opinion that they have of themselves. He says, I can't work with that. God can't work with that. Friends, we have no reason to boast in anything. All we have, all we are, all we ever hope to be or become is only by the matchless grace of Jesus. It's only through him. I can't do a thing. I can't earn a thing. Starting at verse 8. Boy, if you thought he was sassy before. You are already full. You are already rich. Why, you've begun to reign as kings without us. And I wish you did reign so that we could also reign with you. For I think God has displayed us, the apostles. Ooh, he just put a delineation between himself and them, didn't he? I think he displayed in us, the apostles, in last place, like men condemned to die, we've become a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to people. We're fools for Christ, but you are wise. Can you hear him? We are are weak, but you're so strong. You're distinguished, but we're dishonored. Up to the present hour, we're both hungry and thirsty. We are poorly clothed, roughly treated, homeless. We labor, working with our own hands. When we are reviled, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure it. When we are slandered, we respond graciously. Even now, we are like the scum of the earth, like everyone's garbage. This dude is dripping with sarcasm. I hope you're picking up on my sarcasm because I'm laying it on pretty thick. And after reminding, he just reminded them, you haven't earned a thing. He uses this sarcastic, this whole section just about telling them, what well, you guys, you think you've got it all figured out. You're, you're already reigning. You've, you're already there. I don't need to be around. You don't need another leader. Because when you compare yourself with leaders, you put yourself on top, right? We've already established that. So you're acting as if you've already got it all, when in essence, what you should do is repent for your arrogance. They don't even see it. Friends, the life of a Christ follower must be marked with humility. It must be. We cannot be arrogant. True servants of Christ look differently and he makes this drastic comparison he shows this great chasm between their life and his life and he points out all of these differences because he says you guys think i'm foolish you guys think i'm weak you guys you guys don't understand it and listen the paul or i mean uh, john in revelation says Basically, the same thing to the Church of Laodicea. He's going, you, man, you guys think you're so great. You think you're amazing. You think this is the GIV, the Greg International Version. He says, but you don't even understand that you're poor, wretched, blind, and naked. You don't even see it because you think of yourselves as so awesome. But that's what it looks like from a worldly perspective, isn't it? That's what I actually want from a worldly perspective. That's what I'm after but God doesn't operate from a worldly perspective. True servants of God look different. True servants of God look way different than the world looks. He says, I've become a spectacle to the world. Even now, he says, "I'm still going. I'm still undergoing persecution. I become this." In fact, Peter says that we follower of Christ, you are a peculiar people. In the old NIV, we are a peculiar. We're weird. It it should, it should. We should look different than the world. That should be weird, dude. Why? Why aren't you sleeping with your girlfriend? Don't you like? If you drive, you know, if you're going to buy a car, don't you drive it first? That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. That's weird. But that's what a Christ follower should look like, and it's completely countercultural to the culture in which we live right now. Pastor Mike, this actually is his. He, he said, you know, Greg, we were talking about this this week, and he said, this isn't always, the problem is this isn't our best life now. So many people think that. Man, if you just become a Christian, you're gonna live your best life now. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. But listen, I don't live for the here and now. I don't live for the here and now. Christ follower, this is not our home. Listen, we're just passing through. We're Paul says like a vapor. We're like a mist. We're here today and gone tomorrow. This isn't my home. So when things happen to me, it hurts. When things happen, when he says, I'm undergoing this persecution, and, I'm, and listen, sometimes it really sucks. Sometimes suffering is really hard, but he says, what does your life look like when things are against you? When James says, when trials and temptations come and many kinds, you should consider that pure joy because it produces endurance and character and faithfulness. He said, you should look way differently from the world. You should become as spectacle as I have become because they're looking at you going, wow, that is really different. How do you, Greg, how do you do that? Paul, how do you do that when everything seems like it's against you? How do you keep sane? And then we have an opportunity to share the mysteries of God. We have the opportunities to share the gospel Friends, Jesus said, in this life, you will have many troubles. Listen, if you're not going through something right now, you either just finished or it's coming. Sorry. It's it's just the way it is. There's suffering in this life, but take heart, Jesus said, I've overcome the world. Man, we, we are spectacles to the world. We should look differently the world looks. All right. Verse 14. I told you we'd fly through this. We're getting close. Don't leave. (laughs) So he says, I'm not writing this to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children, for you may have Countless instructors in Christ, but you don't have many fathers, for I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. This is why I sent Timothy to you. He's my dearly loved and faithful child in the Lord. He will remind you about my ways in Christ Jesus, just as I teach everywhere in church, or everywhere in every church. Now, some are arrogant. There it is again, man. As though I were not coming to you, but I will come to you soon if the Lord wills, and I will find out not the talk, but the power of those who are arrogant. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. What do you want? Should I come to you with a rod or in love and a spirit of gentleness? So in the last chapter, he called them his dear children, and in this one, he does the exact same thing. Why? Why? because this warning that he's giving them is not a warning to shame them. Listen, he loves them. This is a church he established. It's a church that he started. Does that sound familiar to anyone? Do you understand why Pastor Cory is up here each and every week? Do you understand why we teach the scriptures each and every week? so that we might be able to communicate to you how much we love you and then call you to a higher standard. So he says, I love you. This, is what, this isn't to shame you, this isn't to encourage you, this is to admonish you to move toward change. So every message we teach is motivated by love and Paul, motivated by love, was willing to point out their sin and call them to a higher level. Listen, we're, we're pretty good at the first part. Here's the problem with some of our life groups. And if you're in a discipleship relationship or a life group or you're uh, ministering to other people and you've got this, uh, lady, you've got this sister who comes to you, I, you know, I'm having an affair on my husband. You're like, oh my gosh, thank you for telling me I appreciate your transparency. And? Like There's more. You, you got so what's our plan? Like, what's our strategy? You can't leave it there. Yes, I appreciate your transparency. Brother in Christ, you're like, come to me. Like, man, dude, I've been addicted to porn. Oh, my goodness. Appreciate your, tra- thank you so much for telling me. What are we going to do to make a change? What are we gonna do to move toward change? You and I, Christ follower, have to be willing to point out the sin in others and call them toward the better life that actually they want. That's why they're telling you. But it has to always be for their good. It has to always be motivated. It's not to shame us. It's to encourage us and to be for their good. Listen, that's why Paul said, imitate me because he's a father. He's their good father. And I know I should have put this on here because I understand that not all fathers are good. And I probably should have put this as a good father. But his authority over this Corinthian church is as a good father over his kids. And a good father provides for his children A good father leads his children well. A good father loves his children well. A good father points them in the right. A good father keeps them from going places by guarding them from things that would destroy them. That's what a good father does. A good father always has the best interest of his children. Always. And listen, humility is key when we do this. If you are a Christ follower and you are discipling someone else, you're leading a small group, we've got to do this in humility. Otherwise, it's just self-serving. Otherwise, we're putting ourselves. So be careful. This, listen, this is not an arrogant statement when Paul did this. It's not arrogant, Dad. It's not arrogant, Dad, to say to your kids, hey, you got to do what I'm doing here. You got to imitate me. That's not arrogant. That's protection. That's helping them. That's sometimes even do what I say and not what I do. That's okay, because sometimes I make mistakes. But we have to admit those, right? We have to admit those. But the reason that we're telling this is because we love them. And moms and dads, for crying out loud, stop just being a friend to your children. It's time you be a parent. So he says, imitate me. Why? Because eventually, we're going to have to answer for everything we've done. See, the problem is, I don't think many people ever think that we're going to be held accountable. (laughs) And he said just a few moments ago when we read it, man, even our intentions and our motives are going to be revealed. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew we're gonna to have to give an account of every idle word spoken. Yep. But here's this arrogant church. You know what? Paul's not coming. He's not coming back. The truth is, I think I know better than him anyway. I've listened to Apollos. I've listened to these countless instructors. I think I actually have a better idea. Get real. Are you kidding me? if you are a brand new Christian, you don't have a better idea. Get somebody around you who's been there and done that, who's been a follower of Christ that you can respect and you can learn from and can pour into you. And then you go pour into somebody else too. Because we're gonna have to give an answer to how we live, but we tend to live like this. Even the church, man, we tend to live like this. I mean, I don't know, Jesus we're supposed to live like Jesus is coming back today, right now, in this moment. Sorry. My father-in-law passed away a couple of years ago. He discipled me for 25-plus years. He used to say this to me all the time. Greg, the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. The reason he said that, I was like, okay, Dad, yeah. The reason he said that is because he's telling me, Greg, your life has to line up with what you're saying. If it doesn't, there's no power. It's just empty words. And too often, there's this great chasm. There's this huge difference between the way, what we say at work and who we really are at work. There's this huge difference by the way we say, we talk a lot about our faith, and we're really good at that because we've been to Sunday school and we know all the church answers, but our life, there's zero power in it. Friends, the power of our life, the power of our faith is displayed by the way we live, not just in what we say. It has to line up. And here's the key. The only way to live a life of power is to be completely surrendered to the Holy Spirit. I told you in the beginning, we're talking about submission, and only through submission comes this great power. Here it is. Here it is. The only way, you, Greg, you don't understand. You don't know my past. No, I don't know your past, but I know a God who is able. You don't understand where I work. You don't know my job. No, I don't, and I don't go to work, but I know a God who is able and through the power of his Holy Spirit can equip you for every good work that he has called you to do. Every good work. But the only way to do that is to say, okay, God, I can't do it anymore, and let me tell you, that's the best place you can be, (laughs) Friends, I'm I'm trying to call you to a better life. I'm trying to call you to the life that you want to live. Listen, that is why you are here this morning. The only way is through a life of surrender. So Paul says, what do you want? Do you want me to come like Jesus? They would have known that story. Like Jesus did in the temple where he fashioned a whip He overturned some tables. He was hot. He was angry. Do You want me to come like that? That sounds like a father's love sometimes, doesn't it? Listen, if you don't know about it, it sounded like my dad's love. My dad came with a rod sometimes. Or do you want me to come because my dad also came in gentleness and kindness and love? Or do you want me to come like that? See, the answer is dependent on our willingness to repent and trust in their leadership. That spiritual authority over us. So our humility or lack thereof, right? will dictate the paths our life will take. So will you submit to a higher authority? That's that's a great question, but it's actually not the best question. Unfortunately, this PowerPoint was already made and I had already typed it and sent it, but the better question is when will you submit to authority? Cuz listen, You will. I will. When am I going to choose to submit? So, friends, let's just let's just talk for a minute. I think there's three takeaways from this this chapter. One, we need to watch who we follow. We need to be careful who we follow. We need to not compare and set others above, but allow people to speak into our lives. And multiple speaking, people speaking in your lives is a really, really good thing. Just make sure they all align with Scripture. Are, are we willing to submit to those in authority over it? Not just Father God, not just our God in heaven. Of course, we're, we need to submit to him, but those in authority over us, that person who is, are you willing to submit to them? Are you saying, you know, they're not living my life. I've got a better idea. Because ultimately, we follow Jesus. Ultimately, he is our example. So all of these people speak into our lives. They're, they're important, and we need to submit to those, but not, over, not them over Christ. So we have to be careful. The second thing I want us to take away is that we didn't earn anything, man, man. Romans 12, Paul says, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. We start having a really high opinion of ourselves, we're in trouble because humility is out the window. In fact, Paul repeated to the Philippian church, he said, in humility, consider others above yourself. Everything we are, everything we have, everything we do is not for the praise of men but for the glory of Christ alone. Everything we do. So how then can I live? How can I live in such a way that Christ gets all the glory? How can I live in such a way? I'm telling you, the only way, the only way possible to do that is through submission. In submitting that alone is the time that we have the power. It's only in those moments where we're submissive that we receive the power. And listen, this is the last thing I want us to take away from this one little section. You can't earn God's favor. Some of you have been working in this works righteousness behavior all your lives. You read your Bible because you think God loves you more when you read your Bible. You go to church because you think God loves you more when you go to church. You do good things because he thinks you think he loves you more. Listen, he loves you In fact, if you didn't read your Bible yet today and don't, he still loves you the exact same. The reason that we do these things is not to earn his favor. We can't do it. I can't earn anything. The reason we do that is because I want a relationship with Jesus. I want this intimacy. It's like we talked about fasting at the beginning. If I do A, B, and C, God, you have to do D. No, that's called manipulation. And God doesn't act like that. I do A, B, and C because I just want to be with him. I just want to have an intimate, vital, vibrant relationship with Jesus and God the Father. That's why I go to church. That's why I read the Bible. That's why I do all the things that I do, not to earn anything, because I cannot. The last thing, where is your power? Is your faith journey, maybe you've been a Christian a long time. This is, this is for you, this one is for you. You've been a Christian a long time and you are the same as you, are 20, as you were 20 years ago. Are, is your faith journey filled with all the stories of yesteryear? Man, back in 89 I got saved and God's going, yeah, and nothing's changed. Listen, friends, God has so much more for you. He wasn't done with you when you started following him. He has so much more for you. He wants to do something in you today. He wants to do something in you this moment. And that isn't just for a follower of Christ who's been one a long time. That's for all of us. He has something for you today. The God of the universe is here. He's meeting with you. Right now, where's your power? Because talk cheap. I can say, I can give you the biblical answers. Man, I was raised in the church. I can play the game. I can look like a great Christian. But I have to be, you have to be, we have to be people who live out our faith. Wouldn't it be great, wouldn't it be great if people knew we were Christians by just the way we acted? And then we have the opportunity to tell them. Are you still falling in the same traps? Where's your power? If you're living in and of your own strength, this is what happens. If you're just waking up every day and you're just going to will it, you're just going to do better, you're just going to try harder, you're going to do all these things, this is what's going to happen. You're going to fall in the same traps you've always fallen into. Until you surrender, until you submit to the power of the Holy Spirit, say, Lord, fill me. I cannot do this on my own. That's the best place for you to be. I can't do it. Holy Spirit, fill me. If you don't get anything, get this. God has so much more for you. Why would you each and every day return to a daily fight, a battle, and a war it's already won. Why would you put on the armor of God? Why would you put on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes fit for the readiness? Why would you put all of this on? You show up and there's no one there. The battle is over. Guys, Jesus Christ died to give you the life you've always wanted He's given, he died and rose again so that you and I didn't have to fight a battle that we were destined to lose. The power comes through submission. I'm just trying to tell you how to live the life you want. I'm just trying to tell you, brother, sister, friend, I'm just trying to convey to you, God's already done it through the person of Jesus Christ. Surrender and submit to the Holy Spirit. Would you bow your heads with me? Listen, some of you, I know in here, don't even know what I'm talking about, these mysteries of God have not been revealed in you, I want to invite you to my right, your left, Jonathan Cheka, Pastor Jonathan, is standing right at the corner of the stage. Listen, if that is you and you're not sure, you don't don't even know the right questions to ask, just come introduce yourself to Jonathan. He'll walk with you. Maybe you're here this morning and you just need prayer for something. There's men and women on both sides of the platform here who'd love the opportunity to pray with you. Please come. And get prayer. And then the last way we can respond, well, you can do it right there in your seats with the Holy Spirit, just asking him to fill you. But the last way we respond through action is through communion. And we're gonna do it, hear me, we're gonna do it differently this morning. I want you to go get communion and bring it back to your seat. Pastor Mike will come and we'll take communion together. The one caveat, the one thing I ask If you are not a follower of Christ, don't get communion because the Bible says you eat and drink condemnation on yourself. Father in heaven, would you help us, Lord? Holy Spirit, would you reveal in us that you've already fought the battle and that we don't have to show up every day to fight a battle? it's already over. Help us through submission. Submission to you, submission to our godly authorities, to live a life victorious. In Jesus' name, amen.